the criteria Latifi needs to do to get re-signed. Not get last. <laughs> oh, Spa's back. And lights out and away we go. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is halfway to space. <laughs> Personally yeah. go IndyCar over Williams. Yeah, space. <laughs> Grosjean Zoo. Guan Yu Zhou. Guan Yu Zhou. No, Zhou Guan Yu. I said that the first time. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked a question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. G'day, and welcome to Formula Bums on the Bench. My name is Jacko, and with me are two guests. One of them's Andy, and one of them's this fucking Photoshop he's put up behind him on the green screen. Andy, would you like to introduce who you Photoshop behind you today? I just want to point out I did not Photoshop this. I found it on Google, but I got our <laughs> old friend, Osama Bin Russell. <laughs> it's um, it surprised me. I look. There was a large portion of the world that felt very bad for what happened to George at Singapore. We were not one of those people. <laughs> I, I've actually got a funny story about Singapore. So a guy I worked with was on a Discord chat with a bunch of his mates watching the race. Um, because, you know, Singapore's on at a semi-decent time in this country. You know what I mean? Semi-decent. Yeah. So when George... Um, everyone laughed. <laughs> Sorry, that just took a second to kick in. Holy <laughs> fuck, man. <laughs> oh, go. So you had a mate in a Discord call? Yeah, so he was he was in a Discord call with um all his friends, and apparently the moment he hit the barrier, not a single person wasn't laughing because they said it couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Bro, I was in bed, and it was a pretty good race. Singapore Grand Prix was pretty good. The I race of the season. It was the race of the season. It was it was fun. I when that happened, I literally was in bed at like I don't know what time was it then like twelve thirty when that occurred. It was, it was about late. eleven or eleven thirty when it happened. I was in bed and time. I just went, "Yep!" Yeah! <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, sorry." <laughs> yeah, no, I woke um, my partner up to laughing at the TV. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was just chef's kiss of perfection right there. So let's. We're going to talk a little bit about the Singapore Grand Prix. Then we're going to take a detour and talk about football. And then we're going to take a detour and talk about the Japanese Grand Prix. But before we do all of that, it's been like two or three weeks since Andy and I have sat down and had a discussion. And I've been on a little bit of a journey the last couple of weeks. Do so, you want to in- enlighten everyone of what has been happening <laughs> in your life? <laughs> I have been diagnosed with ADHD and what I've learned about this condition is that every motherfucker on this planet knew I had it except for me. Yeah, nah. This was, so Yes, yesterday I had two psychology appointments, one in the morning and at the end of it I was like, so yeah, what do you reckon? And she's like, oh yeah, mate, 100%. I was like, oh, cool. All right, that's neat. And then I had my actual assessment last night. And at the end of the assessment, I was like, well, what do you think? He goes, oh, yeah, 100%. I was like, everyone keeps saying those words to me the last two weeks. So it's been great. How does that make you feel? Pretty good. Overall, pretty good. Life kind of makes sense now. Like, 
I, I grew up, my mum always called me. She's like, you're an old soul. You know, you're just, you're a little bit different. You're a bit, mum lied to me. I was a fucking weird kid and I'm in a weird adult <laughs> and there's a condition mm-hmm. for it. So that's where I'm sitting at the moment. It's fantastic. I um, Are you saying your mum used to call you an old soul? Yes. Yeah, so Renee also gets called an old soul by her mum. And she's got ADHD too. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty pretty confident she has it as well. <laughs> this was the end of the discussion. Isn't it funny how the three of us always seem to get along really well? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now we figured it out. I um I'm excited. I mean I mean like free speed, right? How fucking good's that? Except it just Lucky makes me feel you. normal. Yeah, man. That's a hell of a thing. So let's let's take your brain back to Singapore. I was watching it. I don't remember a goddamn thing. Let me tell you what I do remember. Okay. And then you can tell me which parts I've made up or not. Because this is always a fun game, is talking about my memories. Yeah. Red Bull, not a good weekend for Red Bull. So I remember no. Checo, he's not having a really good couple of weeks at the moment. He was right down in the qualifying. Max Verstappen popped it in 10th in Q2 for Liam Lawson to come out of nowhere and knock him down of the top 10. Mm-hmm. So both Red Bulls are out in Q2. It left... First time in five years. Is that it? First time since 2018, both Red Bulls have been knocked out in Q2. That's shocking. And what's also more shocking is that 2018 was five years ago, man, because it feels like last week. Was it five years ago? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like fucking... It's- Shit, man, it does feel like last week. We're getting old, bro. <laughs> We're getting Fucking old. Don't, don't remind me. Um, and then we saw the return of Carlando for the rest of the race. Yeah, you did miss a few minor details. George Russell crashed. Everybody well, yeah, liked we'll that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Everyone liked that. You're missing the free practice incident where Fernando Sigmalonzo killed a member of the royal family. Oh, yeah, the lizard, lizard gate. <laughs> no, I still think the best article headline I saw was reptile dysfunction. That one there, that's whoever, whichever website good. wrote reptile dysfunction, they win that conversation. That's the best fucking name ever. Fucking F1 Twitter had a meltdown because of it, though. I, You're more of a Twitter slash X user than I am. I spend a lot of my social media time on Reddit, which is also... A horribly embarrassing thing to admit, but that's where I see it. And I'm not going to lie, man. The lizard wasn't brought up that much on there. It wasn't until you pointed it out, and then Rocket Power Mohawk structured his video around Lizard Gate <laughs> that I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, they fucking in Canada they run over gophers every year. It's not that big of a deal." But this thing was like Godzilla. It was a massive I mean, lizard. Yeah, didn't JP call it Son of Godzilla to Max when Max pointed it yes. out? Yes, yeah, I do remember that radio call. He said, yeah, son of Godzilla or something. It's just, I like, we love this sport. I love this sport. They're not that funny, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was the lamest dad joke ever. <laughs> but can we talk about the other incident from Singapore? Lance the qualifying Stroll? incident. Can I go on a rant and then you tell me what I have to bleep? Uh, all of it. What? Okay, Look, hold on. Let's talk about this constructively. 
a it's going to be constructive criticism towards the fucking moron. Go on. This motherfucker, fat boy, as he likes to be called. Wait, what? Uh, first run. If I don't know. Uh, first run in Q1, he's dead fucking last. His last run on Q1, he's down three tenths on himself. He's hopeless in this car. And then he shags it into the fucking wall in the last turn, ruining everyone's Q1 runs, including Piastri's, who I'm now coming around on. Yes, I told you. But when are we going to admit that this motherfucker is hopeless and shouldn't be anywhere near a Formula One car? It's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous that he is allowed to destroy a $2 million car every other week and get away with it because his dad runs the fucking team. He's a stick moron fuckwit Arsenal supporting... Well, first of all, we need to talk about that last segment. I agree with most of what you've said. And you know I do. I've never liked Leon Stroll. We need to talk about the thing that I think's really upset you the most about Lance Stroll on this weekend is that you found out that you both support the same English football team. And I think you need to admit that that's what's really got you upset here. (laughs) Doesn't deserve it. If he does support West Ham, he doesn't fucking deserve it. (laughs) Because when that popped up, when that popped up that he was a West Ham supporter, I instantly was like, oh, Andy's not going to like this. I can accept David Croft and all his flaws because he is a West Ham United supporter. He is a hammer like me. But I cannot accept that this fucking moron is a West Ham United supporter. It Surely it's got to be coming quickly. I actually have something to add to the Lance Stroll conversation. So this, this did pop up on Reddit. And it was it, the screen cap of RPM's rant. That's good done numbers <laughs> across the world at the moment. And, you know, this is on Formula Dank too. So the, the main F1 sub is very, very F1. Anti-him. <laughs> well, they're not fun. We'll say that. Formula Dank is a lot of fun. They There was the first few comments being like, yeah, we all agree with this. Someone was like, who is this man? I've never heard of him before. The best part was there was one comment that was already collapsed with negative like 200 points. And I was like... That's the man I want to listen to right there. That's the man you want to talk to. (laughs) Yeah, that's the man who said something that has upset everybody. And he's like, guys, I get that we all like bashing Lance Stroll, but can we all admit that this year he seems really motivated and it's the first year he seems like he gives a damn and I'm just sick of it because you know what? He didn't have to be motivated when it was a bad car, but now it's a good car and he seems motivated. I just don't think you guys are watching the same race that I am. And that man got lit the fuck up in the comments. Can you blame him? Because I don't think he's watching fucking sport. This noncy chintzy motherfucker destroys his car every chance and then has to sit out the Singapore Grand Prix because he crushed his fucking vagina. That made me laugh so hard when that joke was said. That made me laugh so hard. It it was a massive crash. So let, let's put the, that to the side. First of all, that was a proper crash too. Like he broke that car in pieces. Mm-hmm. I, and I think I messaged you this during the race where I was like, oh, it's like lap 40 and I just realized that Stroll's not racing. <laughs> that, was my, that was my thing where I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's kind of so funny. It ruined everyone's. The, the things we need to talk about in qualifying is Liam Lawson is a freak of a driver. 
Yeah, I think he is too. And I think Alpha Tauri have made the wrong call, but also understand why they made the call. So the news this week is Alpha Tauri has announced their driver pairing for next year. It is, of course, Yuki Sonoda and um, Danny Ricardo with Liam Lawson as the reserve driver. However, there is a clause in the Liam Lawson contract that says he has to have a main game F1 seat in 2025. Okay. I I think that's a good clause to have for him, right? So we've seen I think he should be already on the grid. Yes, I think he's done enough to earn it. The only thing that makes me feel that this is kind of okay is that he's got a few races under his belt now, so now he can take what he's learned over the last month or like three, four weeks, whatever it is, and apply that now to his simulator driving. So you've got a little bit of real-world experience. You can match that with the simulator. Yuki is the weaker of the two drivers mm-hmm. when we look at career statistics, right? But, and I love Danny. I love that man's big dick. We all do here. It's national treasure. Australia's exactly. the home of the big things. We should just make a big dick Danny Rick statue. Anyway, that's <laughs> off topic. But, Danny has had the better career overall. He's got tenure. Yuki yep. has had a couple of iffy years, but he's actually a pretty okay driver. Like, he's done a lot of maturing. We were kind of bashing him a year or two ago. Now we're both like, yeah, he's actually all right. Like, he's not going to win anything, but he's not failing to the point of you need to get out of the sport. You know, he's not in the land stroll category at all anymore. He's in the, okay, maybe he was bought in a little bit too young, but he's got some talent there. I'm okay with it. That clause is going to be really important because I don't see Yuki or Danny sticking it out for more than one or two more years in those seats. Alpha Tauri is always a transitional team. When it was Toro Rosso, it was always a transitional team. With what's happening at the top with Red Bull, Checo not performing super well, his contract coming up, and the fact that he's already bought up that the calendar is too long and he wants to focus more on his family, we know there's going to be some up and down movement there. So that either means Danny or Yuki is the natural step up. Either one of those goes up, you put Liam in there. It's probably not going to be Yuki. It might be Danny, or we might even see Liam Lawson sit right in at number in uh, 2025 straight to the top seat with the safety net of swapping the drivers. I don't see that. But what I do see is a little team that I have on my head here. Having a Honda engine in 2026, and who is the company propping Yuki Tsunoda up and keeping him in the sport? Honda. So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Fernando Alonso was going to partner Yuki Sonoda in 2025 or 2026. That because just... at some point, Fuck Knuckles' dad needs to just sit down, spank him on the ass and say, you are useless and a waste of my money. That was my only point is like, okay, that's a brilliant idea. If, if that happens now. No, it has to be a when. It has to be a when now because fucking Lawrence has said he wants to be a world champion. He is not going to become a world champion in that team while Fatboy is lagging a hundred and something fucking points behind Fernando. Yeah. And no, I barely agree. making the team, uh, barely making the points. And when he does make the points, Fernando's on the fucking podium. And it's a good car. It was a good car. It's still okay. Like it's not, it's not a, a podium car at the moment. They've lost a little bit in the development race. Yeah, fair. But it's not a it's not a back of the grid car. You know what I mean? They're still ahead of Williams. They're still ahead of Haas. They're still 
probably ahead of Alpha Tauri and definitely Alpha Romeo at this point. You know what I mean? It's the middle car at this at later point of the season, which means you can still comfortably scrape two or three points a weekend out of it, like Fernando's doing every weekend. And also, the more points they get, the better their chances of moving up in the grid, getting more prize money and shit at the end of the season. Imagine if the Spastic had fucking scored points while fucking Fernando's getting on the podium. Like, they've already dropped to fourth, and they're, they're currently fighting McLaren for fourth. McLaren's going to end up fourth this year at the rate they're going. Well, let's you know talk I mean? about McLaren. They could even push for third. They could even push for third with the third rate that they've developed that car. You know what I mean? And here's fucking Aston Martin. This was the gun car at the start of the season. We were all thinking, oh, they're, they're going to get a win this year. Obviously, the development is stalled, but if that fucking useless prick had been scoring points instead of languishing at the back, not giving a rat's ass about the sport, but I'm actually mad that he's there now because he's fucked Aston. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, normally we're pretty laughy joking about this, but the last two weekends have really gone, you know what, this is... It's beyond a joke now. It's actually kind of doing brand damage to the whole organization here when we look at it. You've got you are Felipe fucking Dragovic sitting there as your reserve driver, the F2 champion, who's looking at moving to Williams next year as well. I just want to point that out. You've got a really good, talented young driver sitting at the reserve who's probably going to jump to Williams because that seat's going to become available. Which means, yeah, Logan's probably not going to be there next year. The only reason Logan's not there is if this Felipe Dragovic deal falls through the cracks. Let's be real. Yeah, no, he I hasn't agree. progressed. He hasn't progressed. They can say he's got pace and stuff, but you can have pace and not shag it into the wall. 18 other drivers can prove that week in, week out. I agree. And look, Williams, Williams is a people's champion team. They sit in the same category as Haas where I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, no, fuck Williams, bro. Or like everyone's like, no, we want them back up near the top. And Albon is the lead driver to take them there. Like, I've got no negatives to say about him. He's, ever since he got fired from Red Bull, he's just become better and better and better. We all like Logan as a person. He's fine, right? He's kind of boring. And he's, he's very going to be American. a great whack driver next year because that's where he should go if he wants, or fuck off back to IndyCar because he's just not good enough to be in Formula One. No, and it's a and it's a sad reality he needs to accept. But there is twenty seats, and that's how this sport works. Like it is, that's why so many people watch it. That's seats. why. It's so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know so what I mean? If, like, uh, before we get back to Singapore, real quick too. Before we get back onto it, we will talk about the the epic conclusion to that race. Here's the current driver market for next year. I'm going to read out everyone who's off contract at the end of the season. I want you to tell me how excited you are for Silly Season 2024. So here we go. Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Bottas, Guan Yu Zhou, Fernando Alonso, Fuckface, Daniel Ricciardo, Yuki Tsunoda, Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hülkenberg, and Alex Albon all come off contract in 2024. So end of next year. End of next year, all those drivers... Well, those drivers are on the market from whenever the fuck their contract negotiations open up. Uh, very excited. Very excited. That's a huge shake-up two years before new engines. New huge engines. shake-up. Funnily enough, there's only 
two drivers signed past 2025. Can you take a guess on who those two are? Past 2025? Past 2025. Uh, Max? Yes. And Valtteri? No. I told Valtteri's off contract next year. Give you one okay. more guess. Um, I have no clue. Ocon? No, I said Ocon there. It's Piastri. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he Piastri just literally signed. re-signed. He's re-signed until 2026. So he's got a longer contract than Lando. That makes sense for where he was at, though. Like, we will talk about Singapore a little bit more in depth. I'm glad you're starting to come around a little bit on Oscar. Danny coming back into the sport definitely helped you with that. But it did. what a talent is that kid? Seriously, we'll talk about bro. that with Japan. I want to talk about okay. that in the Japan segment. What I want to talk about is the epic conclusion to Singapore because there has never been a greater race this year and it all stems from the fact Red Bull imploded on themselves. It Go really on. did. The fact you take the Red Bulls out, racing is intense and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Because you so, had... Esteban Ocon remembered he's French and his car blew up on, what, lap 40, 15 laps to go. It Safety was getting, car comes out. It was getting pretty blasé to that point and then Ocon pulls off to the side of the road and I think the whole world went, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Because big brain Rebecca at fucking Mercedes, yeah, pulls in both Lewis and Osama. They both put on the medium tires. They give up second and fourth to go for the win. My dick can only get so erect. Fucking both these cars cruise up behind Charles Leclerc and fuck off into the distance. I'm getting harder and harder thinking about the epic conclusion of this race already. Who's in front of them at this point? At this point, after they they fly by Charles because Charles was left out to dry, there is just Carlos and Lando. That is it. They're in third and fourth, and they're catching them by about a second and a half a lap. They get to the second. What is it? I think it was the fourth lap. They were within a second, so they started getting the DRS. Carlos uses his big brain because we all know he's the st- strategic mind at Ferrari. He backs off to give Lando DRS, and what does that do? It means both the Mercedes on better tires cannot get past Lando unless they really fucking dig deep and push push for an overtake that's not there. You and one I mean? of them did. <laughs> it was huge big brain by fucking Carlos. I, I'm going to stop you there. Why? We, I'm glad because you're doing it now because I was like, we really need to actually have a talk about Carlos and just go, that is, because he's had an uppy down year all year. Mm-hmm. This is the Carlos that people can see. Like th- that, though, that lap there, that end of Singapore is like, ah, that's why he's in that seat because he just went, I know what I'm doing here. Let's go. Because he even got called out on the radio like, uh, you've dropped back to DRS to Lando. And he went, yeah, I know. It's on purpose. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh, my God, he's thinking like Fernando here. Because that's a Fernando strategy. Yeah, driving someone else's race. Yeah, and all he does is drive... He puts his car in the perfect spot for four laps so Lando can't overtake him. Lando has the DRS to protect from the Mercedes that are behind him trying to push for the fucking overtake. And it leads to last lap at one of the pivotal 
corners where you can make an overtake, dickhead locks up and puts it into the barrier. And the world rejoiced. Yes. Because Lewis was too far behind to make a, to mount a charge on Lando or Carlos. So he still made it up to him. But that podium was Carlos, Lando, and then Hamilton. And I couldn't have been happier. Because the Max Verstappen podcast was cancelled for a week. I was so hoping that they'd let him in there anyway and like lean into the joke to be like, go in there, Max, and give them the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) What a good podium. The hug afterwards between Carlos and Lando was really, really nice to see. Mm -hmm. And you know what the other thing we're not mentioning either is? No. Fucking... (laughs) It was the Red Bull Big Brain Hannah strategy to minimize damage to... Max, because Max, in a car that didn't deserve points, drove his ass to fourth. He got by Charles in the last few laps. I completely forgot that he came up and did so well. Because yeah, everyone, the- fo- everyone is so focused on the top three, they forget that sitting only five or six seconds behind them was the destroyer of the world and the man who was going to ruin this race. That Red Bull... And Max Verstappen are so good. Like that's the thing. This is this is Carlos and Lando's race. It's theirs. They did everything they need to do. But even in the race where he imploded and had a shocking qualifying, both Red Bull threw it up the arse. Sergio was nowhere near that. Sergio could barely, barely make a move all race. Like early on, Max jumped a few places, which is to be expected. He's good off the line and whatnot. But then every time I had to cut back to check, I was like, oh, yeah, still 17th, bro. What's going on down there? <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't want to... It was the race of the season purely because of this this last 15 laps. But I don't want to discredit Max because Max has done something that no one expected him to do, which was finish close to the podium in a car that was so terrible that weekend. They had to revert to an old floor to figure out what the fuck was going on. Did they Have they gotten to the bottom of exactly what happened and caused them to just be so off the pace that weekend? I, I just don't think that car suited to Singapore. It suited yeah. to every other track. It just, for some reason in Singapore, it was just that one blip. And they get one per season. You know what I mean? Like and even e- Max can't be mad. Like, he's won everything this year. Overall. So, you can't be mad. It, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was their one this season where traditionally their one this season is, like, two blown up engines. This time they were just a little bit slow. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's them at their worst. Fourth. Hmm. Worst weekend of the year. Fourth place. That's not, pretty not, good. Not that bad. Yeah, I'd be pretty stoked with that. Anything else you want to talk about Singapore? I can't wait for it to go back there. Maybe I'll get a ticket next year if I can. I've had, I think my dad went one year, or he didn't go on purpose. He was just in the city when it happened. And he said they watched it from one of their hotel balconies. And he goes, it was unreal. And like night racing is particularly gorgeous because the lights make the cars look stunning. New mm. Williams and livery we- looks good too. That's done too. They that was only for Japan and Singapore that livery. I loved it. They I should bring it, it back permanently. So, fun fact: I recently started a new career on F one twenty two because I refused to buy twenty three. I'm using this similar livery. The golf liveries always look good. Always has. Always has. When McLaren yeah. did their special one last year, or was that this year? No, it was last year at Monaco. Monaco, yeah. That again, stunning. Stunning. They're livery. always stunning. 
the, I don't know what it is about the light blue on an orange, but it just it makes a car look sick. Like you think back to the Le Mans Ford GT, that thing yes. always looks sick. Like it yes. just looks fucking sick. It does better than pink. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find a color better than pink. But yeah, so on cars, now, anything works. Yeah, pretty much. Now we need to talk about some rugby league. It's final way. Finally. Okay. Okay, can I just are you supporting Sydney or are you doing what I'm doing and supporting the enemy? I am supporting Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. The enemy. Yes. I can't support Penrith. Me neither. And I, I think we will have very similar reasons, right? So you and I were both excited when Penrith was on the up. We all are. Everyone likes an underdog. They're yep. about to win three in a row. I don't want That's them to not win an three in a row. I Brisbane, I they I want them to win because I I I don't want them to win. I just need Penrith to lose, <laughs> and I've run out of choices. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Melbourne so the didn't Warriors, even put up a fight. That was, without a doubt, one of the worst games of football I've ever seen them play. Which is crazy. I've said that a couple of weeks in a row because when we played the Roosters. When they played the Roosters, I was like, yo, they didn't play super good in that second half. This game against they Penrith... Didn't deserve to, they didn't deserve to win the Roosters game. I no. swear to you, the Chookies would have put up a better fight than the fucking Melbourne did. I think it, yes. would, it still would have been a Penrith win, but I don't think the Chookies would have went quietly like Melbourne did. Nas ran 34 metres all night. Nas, all <laughs> Nas had a hell of a game, bro. I think that, you know, it's good to be fired up for a finals, but there's a limit of the fire. He got hooked from the field because he was about to get sent. Like, and that threw a massive spanner in Melbourne's game plan because they were expecting him to be on there for pretty much the whole first half and be like a danger man in the front row. Because the Penrith front rowers are some of the best in the league, but they are little compared to some of the others. And Nelson's the biggest dude on the field. Mm -hmm. He got so aggressive, started pushing people. That first 15, 20 minutes of the game was genuine hatred on the field between some of the players. Dylan Martin gets a special shout-out for me because he riled every Melbourne player up Who's so much. Dylan Martin? Who's Dylan, Dylan Martin? Martin? Um, the, do you mean Liam Martin? Liam Martin, yes. I do mean Liam Martin. Him. He did such a good job of antagonizing the whole Melbourne Ford pack. He broke Nelson and Nelson had to be taken off the field <laughs> before he got sent off. Can I just point out point out before we go on, Melbourne had a simple game plan to win that match. Do you know what that would have been if they had done it correctly? Offload on every hit up? No, run at Jerome Luai with Nas. <laughs> yeah. Just run yeah. at him. He will get injured. And then you've just got to run. Then you swap Nas to the other side of the field and he runs at Cleary every run. You, you take the easy one out first and then you go for Cleary. It was. And like Penrith looked good. Uh, you know, I can't take any way, anything away from their performance. They looked fantastic. Like Cleary is the best half in the game. I'm going to go out on a limb now and say that we don't often see an immortal. If this dude keeps doing don't, what he's doing. Don't. Don't say that after what he said. He's already saying he thinks he's going to become an immortal. 
Oh, no, you're not allowed to say it yourself. We have to say no, it. No, he said rules. it himself, so therefore he's never going to become one because he's saying it himself in an You're yeah, not allowed way. to say it. Yeah, <laughs> you're not allowed to say it. You let other people say it for you. No, that is the rules. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame because he's very good. Very he's a very good. good player, but he's they have become the arrogant side. They have become the New York Yankees. They are, and normally I'm pretty okay with it. The only thing's like, because Brisbane is two, right? They, they're they building a little bit of a kind of a, a front. But I think where the difference is and where I've kind of drawn the line a little bit is that if you're doing really, really well and you're personally performing very, very well, you're allowed to be a little bit show-offy. But this year, they've had a couple of players who aren't hitting their previous best, but they're still acting the same way. You know what I mean? It's kind of transitioned from, oh, we are better than everybody else to be like, no, we're still beating everybody else. But like, Lua, you played like shit. Why are you talking smack on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Yeah. And it's only a few players. It, for the most part, they're still running in a perfectly m- machine-like formation. Like they are devastating to come up against. The refereeing helps a little bit too, of course. Well, how do you um, feel about that? Because they've been protecting Cleary all year. It's very yeah. clear that every time he goes to kick... Yo moves with the kicker, which is a clear-cut penalty to the other team. Yes. So I wasn't super aware of it until... Was there an article that popped up recently about it? Something's popped up very recently. 360 called it out last night. They called it out in the media this week too, which I think is the smartest thing you can do because it all of a sudden it puts the ref under pressure to, to be like, no, this is a penalty. Because Brisbane did... Uh, not Brisbane. Souths did it the other year when Wayne Bennett was coaching, and what happened week one? Penrith got beat. So let's call it out now and let's get it in the ref's heads that he needs to be looking for that because people are going to start calling it out now because it's been happening all year. Yo moves in line with the player to block for Cleary, which is a clear-cut penalty to the other, the defending team because you're not allowed yeah. to do that at all. You're essentially running the player off the ball. Yeah. So I, I do think it needs an adjustment. I... As much as I want it to be looked at and treated fairly, I, I don't know if it would change the outcome of many of the games either. The, I don't want that to take away from the fact that it's wrong, but I still think it was... You take that out, Penrith is still better at football than most of the other teams. I still think they'd be in the finals. That doesn't mean I don't want it looked at. I just don't think... You know what I mean? I don't think we'd be looking at a Warriors-Roosters grand final if we if that was penalised harshly. It still needs to be called out because here's the thing. You guys are that good. You don't need any special protection at all because you exactly. are just better. But it, Let's, it's, it's the thing where it gives Cleary a bit more room and that's the one thing you don't want to give a half is room. The moment especially you've got room when, that, and time to think. Especially when he's so good at putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. Like, he is a fantastic kicker too. And that extra mm-hmm. half a second, we saw it. Perfect example of what a half second, a two-tenths of a second can do in a game of football is Sammy Walker getting charged down twice, right? Exactly. Yep, if he had another half second, those goals would have gone through. Mm-hmm. But they, they cramped him. They managed to charge him down. So it is definitely having an effect on their results, which is unfair because they don't need the help. Let's talk about the referees, though, because we've seen some big errors in the last couple of weeks that have actually been addressed for once. <laughs> so we, me and Josh talked about the dickhead Klein the other week. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. But 
who was it last week that fucked up? It was Sutton, wasn't it? It that was Sutton. forward pass. Yeah, couldn't happen to a better referee as well. Another one so, who should never be in the position he's always in. Yeah, which has led to a very nice pick for the grand final for once, which is Adam G. I don't like it. Yeah, but you don't like any of the refs. No. Adam G, as a referee, has a 96% win record for Penrith and a 33% win record for Brisbane. I don't like that they picked the bias ref. That's okay. So you've got numbers here. That does change things. I've a little actually bit. got numbers. He's, yes, he's done if his I research. I was going to pick a referee. Research. If I was going to pick a referee to referee this game, it's the Super League referee. Yeah, they're fantastic. Hey, <laughs> fly, fly one in from the Super League and let him referee it because none of the referees in the NRL deserve to be refing the fucking grand final this year. Not really. I'd say the only one you could probably sneak in would be that red-headed kid or the one who looks like Nigel Thornberry but shaved off the moustache. The two junior fellas. No, nah, neither of those guys should be in it. Ratface is terrible. Ah, I've got it. I've got it. This is from August 2023. I've got the numbers. For the Broncos, the best referee is the Ratface one, Peter Goff, with 87, 85.7. Seven games, six wins. And... Dickhead Sutton's a 58.3. The worst is Adam G with 21.4. 14 games, three wins. And Grant Atkins, 40%. Uh, the best for the Panthers is Chris Butler, who's got a 100% win record for him. And Adam G, 93.3. 15 games, 14 wins. So here's how you pick the referee for the game. Put both their win records together for all the referees and whoever's got 50 for both. Yeah, closest to 50 or as for close, both. Closest to 50, which for me would be um, Grant Atkins. Atkins and is Grant's, a good ref. Why can't he do it? I was going to say, he's a good ref too. We all like Grant Atkins. Yeah, let Grant Atkins do it. He's, he's semi-decent at it. He'll do a good job. And also, it's not one of these ones where... Because fucking G's one of the ones that protects Cleary. He is oh, adamantly right. ignored the fucking blocking of the kicks. It's so, I'll tell you what, yeah, man. I'd, it's going to be interesting to see how the refereeing goes. Because really, at the end of the day, if you're not a main supporter of either of those teams, you just want a really good game of football. That's really exactly. what the rest of us are looking for. Like The result really doesn't matter to you and I at the moment. We both have picked Brisbane because we prefer them over Penrith, but... It's a coin toss. Like, I don't actually give a shit. <laughs> um, oh, I do. I don't want to see Penrith get that three-peat. I want Power to still have something. Because the last three-peat was Power in the 80s. Yeah, that's the last and time they won that's all anything. those fans. That's the only thing those fans are holding on to right now. Yeah, it's a valid point. They winning though. much these days. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Which is a shame because... They're a good team, and they just can never seem to get it all together for the whole year. Like, they've got some real talent there. I tipped them to win this year. Remember right at the start of the season? I do. I know. Actually, breaking news. Paul Momorowski is set for an immediate exit at Bondi to join Lee's Rhinos at the end of the year. That's fair. He's played, what, one game this year? Two. I think it was four games in total. He was out injured for a lot of it. Yeah, look, you guys... Picked him up from Penrith, I wonder, and I wonder if it's got anything to do with the news Buzz put out. Oh, what the fuck did Buzz say? 
Well, according to Buzz, he has he has some sources, Brandy. Yeah, it's that dementia. Are, <laughs> that I put Joseph Suwali. I can't do a Buzz voice. Uh, he basically <laughs> Suwali. He's going to do a backflip and stay at the Chookies and not go to the Wallabies after the forty to six pumping they got the other night. I haven't been keeping a massive close eye on Australian Rugby Union at the moment, but the Batuta Advocate has been, and I know it's not going too well over there. Well, the last thing I seen was we got flogged 40-6, to six, and then the next day, articles started appearing saying Swali to backflip on Rugby Australia because he doesn't want to join that shit show. Because <laughs> why the fuck would you, would you go to a... a code that is in such disarray that they're paying you $5 million for three years when you could stay at an NRL powerhouse like the Chookies, continue to play finals football and make more money doing that because you'll be picked in origin sides, you'll be picked in Australian sides, you know what I mean? Like, What's the point of going and playing fucking 15-man code when they can't even do anything? You'll be losing for six years or three years, however long you signed for. And it is a big, like, that's the thing, right, too, where Money money matters in this sport, obviously. It's these is these guys' jobs and they're very good at it. But the other thing is too, you can't become a professional athlete if you don't genuinely want to win against everybody else. You know, that's the thing that separates pro athletes from the rest of us is that that inbuilt desire where they know they can actually win. So it's a big thing for him to look at going, Well, hold on. You know, they've sold me on this thing, you know, they told me to watch the World Cup. They th- thought, you know, because Australia is a good rugby union country. Traditionally, we're really, really good. We've never quite Was. dominated the Kiwis. We've always been pretty good against South Africa. But this year, man, looks really bad. Well, ever since Eddie Jones take taken over, it just doesn't look like it's improving in the slightest. And that's what sold Swalee to go to Union was Eddie Jones' takeover. And right now, they've just been pumped 40 to 6 by Wales. They're out of the World Cup. In and the pool stages. The going, yeah, in the group stages, which hasn't happened for us in a quite a long time. And to top that off, if you're gonna if you're gonna go and throw your body around for five million dollars to play on the England Lions tour and get thumped, wouldn't you rather play the thirteen man code where you're really good and play at a really good team once you play your position of winger because that's about all he's good at? Um, why would you leave that club, especially a club that is such a powerhouse like the Chookies, that even though they had an off year this year, are still premiership favourites for next year. You know what I mean? I Dude, I, I completely get where you're coming from in relation to this. And, you know, the bias that you have as a Chooks fan is genuine, but I'm not a Chooks fan. And I can also admit too that you guys under Robbo have been one of the best teams of the last, I don't know, maybe eight years now, I would say. Exactly. Eight years running, you've always done pretty well. So it's going to be interesting to see. It the big thing for me depends on like what contract trouble may occur around this. You know what I mean? If things have already been signed and the the clauses that are inherent in them, I know you can get any contract removed. That's completely fine. But you know, I think the big deciding factor here is if Suali wants to say and the Roosters have to pay out for it, it's going to be, you know what, he's going to be locked into a contract where it's like, you better not think of doing anything else if we're going to rescue you from this deal, right? Yeah, I know Uncle Nick's going to fuck. Well, that's that's the advantage of having an Uncle Nick at my team because motherfucker's a billionaire. He'll just pay it himself. 
You know what I mean? Like, you just paid out. Here's the five million rugby Australia. Please fuck off and leave us alone. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know what? It's nice to be on a team that has fuck you money. I know. It's the one good thing about being a... It's a great feeling, unlike your team that uh, has Shane Flanagan bringing in Mark Taylor. I don't want to talk about Mark Taylor. I don't (laughs) want to talk about it. Um, we're not talking about the Dragons. Our season's over, man. You shut the fuck up. That's that's so my t- I'm going to deal with that next year. I'm going to deal with that next year. <laughs> that's next year's hurt okay. <laughs> for me. Let's talk Fair about enough. the well, Warriors, Brisbane. We've got to talk about the Waz. Waz did exactly what the Waz probably were expected to do. That was my take as well, right? I was like, yep. I didn't think two- they were going to beat Brisbane. No, I didn't think they were going to beat Brisbane either. I think they did really well and... I tell you what, if they can keep momentum and they can keep the system working, you know, Sean Johnson's just had the biggest redemption arc ever. He he should be daily and medalist this year. Yeah, he I'm should okay be. with that. Either I got, I got three Hunt. questions. I got three questions for you at the end of this little wise talk, all right? So All right. I'll remember that. The other thing is too. They've got some really good unit ta- young talent. Like they pinched Volkman from you guys. Mm-hmm. He's going to be their next half. Clearly. If they can keep momentum going, it's going to be so good to have the Warriors. Because like, look at how sick it was every time they went and played back home. Sell out every single time. Like it's good to see a team actually build themselves back up. Like it's just still it's such a positive story all around for the sport and for New Zealand staying in the league, right? Because there's been talk over the last couple of years about, well, they're really not doing too well. Are we going to expand in there? I tell you what, they're putting on the best show to get a second team in that country than anywhere else in the world at the moment. Good on them. Like, I'm stoked. But also, that's the result that was supposed to happen. Brisbane is better. Hmm. I'd also, on the, the note of that, that team out of New Zealand, I'd base the Pacific Islands team out of there. They play home games in the Pacific Islands, but they base them in the New Zealand in Wellington or something. It's a good idea, yeah, because it allows them it, to it, keep. It's, it gives them the best of both worlds. Both they're playing in like Papua New Guinea and stuff, and obviously, you know, they take two or three games to Papua New Guinea. They take some to Fiji. You know, yeah, it is a lot of travel. I understand that, but that's why you have the main base in Wellington or something. You know what I mean? And As to better better facilities, right? That's the thing. It is mm. New Zealand is a very strong economic country. They do have better access to training grounds, more physios on hand. Like it is just when it comes to sport infrastructure, it is more developed than a lot of the other island nations who are just smaller when it comes to their economic power. So it, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of good decisions. One, there's a lot more sponsors that you can gain from there. And the fact that, too, if you're making sure that they're playing a portion of games in the smaller island nation, you're right. It's the best of both worlds, and I think that's a perfect idea. It's at least a good foothold to get the team up and running and off the ground. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know everyone would be like, oh, it's a Pacific Nations team. Why is it playing out in New Zealand? Well, New Zealand's a Pacific island, isn't it? Yeah. You ever met the Maoris? <laughs> like, exactly. That's what they're like, all about. Basing them out, out of Wellington also means that it distinguishes them from the New Zealand Warriors, who are based out of Auckland. Wellington has Sky Stadium, the home of the Wellington Phoenix. That's a decent facility that they can use. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. It makes makes so much sense that that's the next team. Or, 
you combine the tigers and you combine the sharks and you fuck them off to Perth and call them the Perth Tiger Sharks. <laughs> okay, you have three questions for me. I do. To wrap up the rugby league chat, chitter-chatter before we move into the J- Japanese Grand Prix, who do you think wins the Daily M medal tonight? I think it's tonight as a time of recording. I think it's tonight. Who wins the Clive Churchill medalist medal on Sunday and who wins the grand final on Sunday? I know you're hoping for Brisbane. Let's think logically and by how much. Okay. So this will reveal how good my memory is. Clive Churchill medalist is for what? Man of the match of the grand final. Okay. And the Daily M is for the getting the most points throughout the year voted by the journalists and no. the voters. Yeah, it's player of the year. Player of the year. Okay, so Clive... And keep in mind, keep in mind, if you have been suspended for more than two games, you are disqualified from winning the Daily M. So that's why Reese Walsh isn't up for anything. Well, I don't... Uh, Reese Walsh wasn't going to be in any of my answers. I think for the Clive Churchill, man of the match, um, oh, I would say... Dylan Edwards, I think we'll get okay. it. Um, as for the Daly M, Sean Johnson, you put a pretty convincing case forward for. Mm. I'm going to go out and say Nathan Cleary. I think that he'll. I get don't it. think he's. I don't think he's up for it. Was he suspended? No, I don't think he. Well, he was injured for that severe, significant period of time, so he wouldn't qualify. But Sean Just Johnson was out points. a couple of times as well with injury. Yeah, but not for an extended period of time like um, Cleary was. Oh, okay. I'm just going to quickly go have a look. Yeah, yeah, please. And then as for the winner of the grand final, I know the safe money's on Penrith. And mm-hmm. I know that they probably have a chance. I think that the momentum that Brisbane has, I think they will end up winning the grand final this year and I think it will be by two points. Two points. I These are the two best teams in the league. They play a different style of football. Both of them are hyper-effective. I just think that you've got more personality on Brisbane that will rub the Penrith players the long way. Now, this is all referee depending. Now, if this is an equally and fair ref game, I think that Reese Walsh is enough of a little shit stirrer to rattle Luai because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do it in origin, right? He got inside Luai's head the whole game. Yep. I also think that, you know, that forward pack that they have... Uh, What's his name? Patrick Carrigan is a better 13 than Isaiah Yo is. Yep. I think that we've seen a number of times this year that if you can offload the ball in a hit up from with one of your forwards against Penrith because they put so many men in the tackle, there is space in the line. And Brisbane plays a very dynamic, very free-flowing, very fast game of football. Ezra Mann is incredibly quick. The second that ball comes out, you've got Reese Walsh, Ezra Mann, Jesse Arthurs, um, Kevy Walters' son, whatever his name is. Billy Walters. Billy Walters. So there you go. That's already four people off the one one little brainwave of me who could take the offload, get through the line, and pass off to a supporting player. That's not even including people like Katoni Staggs, Selwyn Cobbo. Like, they're just so dynamic in broken play. 
if they can break Penrith's defensive structure, I think they'll get it. Penrith is still going to be near impossible to do that to, but it's whenever they offload the ball, especially from a big prop hit up, because they throw so many people in, Payne Haas is going to put some damage in that front line. You know what I mean? If I'm mm-hmm. sitting there as Kevy, I'm going to be like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to try and run offloads through our, our big men at the front. Paddy, Payne. If that doesn't work, well, we know they're going to guard us from it every single time. So let's use Billy very quick off the mark to burst out of dummy half, take the play, the ball two meters forward. You've cut out the markers. There's space again. Mm-hmm. That being said, it wouldn't surprise me if Penrith completely shuts them down for 80 minutes and it's a 6 4 scoreline <laughs> as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wouldn't shock me either yeah. way. But, Brizzy. Now you have to answer those three questions, man. What are your thoughts? All right. Daily M tonight's going to Sean Johnson. And if it's not going to Sean Johnson, I'm going to give it to probably the next best player on this list. And I'm going to give it to Lindsay Collins. No. Um, Payne Haas. (laughs) I think Payne Haas could be the first prop to win it with his dynamicness. And if not him, give it to Tohu Harris. Yep, that's fair too. Those are all good picks. Now, if it is Payne Haas, will you admit he's worth a million dollars? No, because he's a prop forward. He's not. He do, he's not worth a million dollars. <laughs> Clyde I Churchill this weekend's pretty easy. It's going to go to Reese Walsh, and Brisbane's going to win by ten. Okay, I like that. I like. And it's going to be because of Reese Walsh in broken play is going to be too dynamic and too quick. And he's going to get under Luai's skin, and it's going to be great to watch. And Reece Penrith, Walsh they're going to be sit. Penrith's going to sit on their haunches. They're yeah. going to be on their haunches, wondering what went wrong. And the reason is, it's going to be Reese Walsh and fucking Ezra Mam. And you know what we can't discount too, and the one of the most important plays of Brisbane that we haven't even mentioned one this episode is just how good of a halfback Adam Reynolds is. Like. Imagine being the bunnies. First of all, that sucks in any situation. But imagine know, being right? the bunnies now going, you're not going to finish your career here, even though you love the club and you are without a doubt the, one of the best players that has ever worn the fucking Christmas colours. Like the man's a freak. And they put all their eggs in Lachlan Elias, who is no Adam Reynolds. <laughs> He's not an Adam Reynolds. I'm a little bit gentler when it comes to Lachlan Ilias because I'm like, well, he's still a baby. And, you know, if you're playing a, with your experienced half as a dude who sees red mists every 15 minutes and shits the bed. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll tell bad. you what, though. Lachlan Ilias is one of the most... Back. Dev- yes, then they're full, but they're fat back. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're not wrong, though. Yeah, I know. Fuck, fuck is fucking 16 kilos heavy to be a fucking fullback. Oh, and that's the thing. If he just dropped a bit, he'd be devastating because he's a monster. He'd be like Greg Inglis, like a devastating fullback because Greg Inglis was massive but fit. Um, Latrell's just massive. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Adam Reynolds is definitely a key player here. And the same as Cleary is right too. I I think Reynolds sets everything up, but it's just... It's going to be that that Reese Walsh injection that causes Reese to get the player of the match. I just think he is too he's too vital to the way the broken play is, and that's how you beat Penrith is with broken play. Second, it's base the only play, way the offload off. It's the only yep. way to do it. 
and that's why I think uh, Walsh will get the Clive Churchill over Adam Reynolds. I'm not I'm not discounting Adam Reynolds. I just think this isn't going to be Reynolds' game. He's going to be there to set up for this little wonder kid to show his stuff. Oh, and that's the thing. Like, when Penrith is playing at full pace and playing really, really well, it's kind of a boring game of football because they just shut everything down. When Brizzy's is playing at full pace, it's super exciting because it's like you're, you know, it's every mm-hmm. set, 75 metres. And the thing is, their defence ain't always perfect. So the opposition is only getting 70 metres back as well. It's very fun footy to watch. And that's also why I'm supporting them too because I'm like, that's the style of NRL I want to see most teams play. Yeah. Really, really fast, really, really athletic, incredibly talented, but just dynamic, shifting the ball around, actually having fun. Like you watch Brisbane, they look like they're having fun. You watch Penrith, they look like they're a well-oiled machine that lets them have fun after they win a little bit. We've got to leave yeah. it there though because we've got a whole other race to talk about. Yes. Um, well, I mean, let's be real. It was just Red Bull back to doing what Red Bull does in Japan. It was, and it was, you know, Max, we knew that they were going to come back after Singapore and it was going to be a no contest. And it was a no contest. He, It was a grand slam for Max, wasn't it? First in every session, fastest lap and podium. Yeah, probably. I can't remember if he was fastest in every session, but... He, he was in FP1, 2 and 3. Then fair enough, because he got yeah, cold, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was just, you know, doing max things. But what I do want to talk about, then the main thing to talk about is just McLaren and like what a 180 they've done on their year. Well, considering at the start of the year, they were nowhere. That car was be behind Williams in speed. You know what I mean? And the only reason they were behind Williams is because Williams forgot that downforce exists. So their car's really quick in a straight line. But that car was fucking atrocious at the start of the year. And we were just like, oh, man, Oscar's in for a rough one. And I couldn't have been happier because I was still mad about Danny. <laughs> but now, kids turn me. He's good, man. He's good. He's funny, too. Well, did you hear the po- uh, the post-race cool-down room? Uh, I don't remember it. I definitely watched it. I can't so, tell you anything that happened. So... Yet. Obviously, Max Lando and Oscar are on the podium. Oscar's sitting there like butters in South Park. He's just happy to be there. <laughs> fucking Lan- Lando took s- turns to fucking Max and says, man, it's really great to be here on the Max Verstappen podcast. Oh, and Max is like, I don't even like podcasts because Max <laughs> is clearly yep. on the spectrum somewhere and just doesn't get it. <laughs> well, yeah, like, didn't, didn't you see when... When they all walked into the race this weekend, everyone was asked, do they think about the Roman Empire? Everyone was like, yeah, maybe. Max was like, no, I haven't had to think about that since school. Why would I think about that? I Since that meme has popped up, I have had four separate people message me and go, hey, man, do you think about the Roman Empire? And do you know what the most embarrassing thing about my answer is, Andy? Guess what it's I yes said to like every mine. single... Huh? It's yes like mine. Mine was yes every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day. See, my partner, when that meme first come around, she looks at me and goes, do you think about it? I'm like, yeah, I play Rome Total War. Like at least That's what I way. said. So, yes, I do think about it. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> like I was like, well, I play Rome Total War and I listen to podcasts. It's just, it's nice, man. There's nothing... <laughs> 
Men are allowed to have interests, okay? I know. We and so what if it's just beer, chicks, and Rome? That's fine. That's healthy, isn't it? That's, <laughs> it's healthy. It's not skin care and fucking all this like moisturizer or shit that the girls do. Like we think about cold hard facts. Rome, cars, video games, boob Lego. sizes. And boob Legos. sizes. Legos. <laughs> I say looking at my three Lego sculptures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Kmart the other night looking at a, um, an X-Wing helmet. I think about Star Wars every day too. <laughs> but. Well, see, I've got, a, I've got a Mandalorian, a Luke Skywalker, and a Darth Vader Lego set. Y- yeah, no one's ever you seen built. your house in your room, but Andy has like the best nerd house you've ever seen. He's got so much no, cool just shit. just one room. There. Just one room and it's my office. Yeah, but it's sick. That's, it's the only place I'm allowed to have my notes. Well, I was, it's not allowed. And I was going to say, it's the only bit that Renee lets me sit in anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, that is the whole house because I make a mess exactly. everywhere else. <laughs> what else happened in Japan? There's a couple of things I want to talk about. One, Yuki presenting the overalls to the Prime Minister and watching how genuinely stoked that interaction was. That was lovely. Was it the Prime Minister? Yeah, it was a Prime Minister or something. President, maybe. It was a was politician. It the Emperor? No, no, it, was it wasn't the not emperor. the emperor. No, then it, it was a politician. The Prime yep. Um, which I thought was really, really cool. Japan's such a fantastic track, man. It goes to show what happens when you engineer a racetrack for good racing. I know, right? Uh, Alpine had a fucking moment. Go on. So, have you not seen what happened at the end of the race? I mean, I with have. The Alpines. So the Alpines were running ninth and tenth, right? And Ocon for about three or four laps was demanding that um they swap the positions, even though it had no effect on the race outcome. Like they were still ending up with three points. Ocon was just wanting to get past Pierre. You know what I mean? And Pierre is adamant on the race. Like, I don't understand why you're asking me to do this. Like, this is just fucking stupid. And they just keep bringing it up. I was like, no, this is the instruction. You need to do it. Just before the line, Pierre slows up, lets him pass, and starts flipping him off and fucking shaking. <laughs> the, just like losing <laughs> his shit in the car because he didn't understand why he had to swap the position. And to my credit, I can't figure out why Alpine had to let that guy pass. Why did Ocon get to go past? Ocon fucked his race at the start of the race when he had the contact. Well... Speaking of contact, there was quite a bit of contact in this race. There was. Checo. <laughs> Checo hit about seven people. Man, Checo just had an unlock. Logan hit a few people too. Yeah, but that's normal, bro. Like, like that's to be expected. Well, Logan hit, what was it? Fautry turned him around. He uh, hit Checo when he locked up and Checo tried to dive bomb him. Yep. What else happened? There was the big, uh, there was the big incident at the start where Valtteri just got fucking squeezed by Ocon. Yep. No, the biggest incident for me is that how the hell do you get two DNFs in one race, bro? <laughs> for oh, Checo. mate. That was I was that was smart though. So it, it, it's only brilliant one strategy. You, you realize that his so when he initially retired, um. Fucking, they bring him in the pits and then they whole think about that whole fucking five-second penalty thing. 
So when he actually re-entered the race, that actually constituted the end of his pit stop, which was 41 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the longest pit stop in F1 history? Well, I'm thinking to myself, is like, doesn't that constitute the five-second penalty? I feel like it should. But but no, he had to go out, do a lap, come in, serve the penalty, go back out, drive around the track one more time, then retire the car. The best thing about that whole incident was when Max came in for his pit stop and then the cameraman spun around and filmed Checo just sitting in his broken car. That That was was the best bit of that. So so that's what happened to the office cameraman. Yes, yes. Because that was such an office thing to do where they just spun around looking for Jim, except this time it just spun around looking at Checo. And he did it on purpose too because as soon as he found him, he zoomed right in on his eyes. (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) Perfect shit stirring from the camera. It beat the dude who did the flip with the camera that one time. That sucked, but that was good. Um, other things that I do remember from Japan was, I was like, okay, you know what? If Lando can kind of stick his nose in a little bit, and he did okay. You know, Oscar got squeezed a little bit at the start too. They kind of got in a little bit of each other's way right at the beginning. Mm. But Max just kind of jumped them. And once that was done, it was all over. Like the front was kind of boring for the most of the race, but it was good because, you know, McLaren's doing well. You've had a change of heart on Oscar. Mm-hmm. I've had a change of heart a little bit. On Lando? Uh, yes. Good. Because Lando is a fantastic driver and will... If McLaren continue the way they're going, I have no doubt to believe McLaren's next world champion will be Lando Norris. I think Lando can do it. He has I... that killer instinct we always talk about. We know he does because when he doesn't get his way, it eats him up just as much as it eats anyone else up. This is going to hurt so much for me to say this, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. They're one of the few teams that are sitting on two drivers that you could go, I see world championships in both of their futures, right? It, it's one of those things where McLaren need to continue with their improvement, which they will with the wind tunnel coming on operation and stuff but man that that team's gonna look scary in a year or two maybe even next year they might they might nail it out of the box next year you know what i mean i hope they do that's that's the big thing there right because mclaren the all the stars need to align for them to come out and win a championship you, you know red bull and mercedes are still the two most dominant manufacturers in the sport mm-hmm. every championship is those two for pretty much for nearly as long as we've watched the sport, right? Since 2010. Yep. Since 2010. Actually, no, since 2009 because Mercedes was brawn that year. Yep. You know what I mean? So since 2009, it's been one of two teams that have won. It's been Red Bull at Milton Keynes or it's been fucking Mercedes at Brackley or the team at Brackley. Yep. My... That's what I mean. So for McLaren to come out, I don't know if they'll be able to outdevelop those two powerhouses. So they need to come out strong and essentially becoming second and third every weekend and getting a couple of wins here and there. You know what I mean? I can definitely see They need see the them. wins. They do need the wins. I can easily see them becoming a World Constructors Championship in the next two years. Okay. World Drivers, it's going gonna, it's gonna to need to be kind of a bit of a fluky year, which we have seen in the past. It's going to have to involve enough luck but yeah Lando can do this I also think Oscar can do it too because in every metric he's within that two tenths 
Always. Agreed. Now, can we talk about the other big thing from Japan? Because there's a team that you just mentioned that has Godzilla? a huge problem. Right? No. Oh, Mothman. <laughs> uh, Don't another, look at me like there's that. Another t- there's another team that has got some driver issues at the moment, and it's a big team. Mercedes, Mercedes has an issue with Mercedes with George have an issue because he isn't good enough to have the attitude he has. Not at all. Not at all. Be- because did you hear him at the end of the race when they were adamant that he needed to let Lewis by and he kept arguing and even brought up trying to use Carlos's own trick against Carlos? Because they were trying to protect Lewis from Carlos. So George was like, no, you can just do what they did last week. No, you can't, George. It's a completely different track. There's more opportunities to overtake. And that Ferrari is going to get past both ears or he was going to get past one ears. The best choice you had was to let Lewis by as much as you sooked about it on the radio and you sook about everything else. It's going to be an interesting next year for that team because you've got... Lewis, who will forever be one of the greatest drivers that have ever graced the sport. You know, he got a knighthood for being that fucking good. Yep. You've also got George, who is talented, but doesn't seem to be capitalizing on every opportunity. And when there is those orders, and Mercedes is a team orders team, they've never hidden the fact that they're like, no, what we say goes. That's how they've always been. Most of the time it benefits Lewis. But there's been times in the past where Lewis has been put on the back burner because it was more beneficial for George to get the result that he needed. They are very, very efficient with their decisions. Like, the reason we struggle with Mercedes so much is because they're just that fucking good at what they do. It's been great having Mm -hmm. George there because he's throwing a spanner in the works. But, People like that don't last long <laughs> at the sport. And there, there is a reason Lewis was adamant he wanted to keep Valtteri. Yeah. Got to remember that at all times. When when George got the contract, Lewis did not approve of it. Lewis wanted Valtteri to stay because Valtteri was a great number two. Oh, yeah. Valtteri and always did what he's told. And when Lewis could, Lewis would always get him back. Yeah, you know what I mean? I agree, like, if man. there was ever an opportunity that Lewis could be like, no, nah, you, you sacrificed for me so much here. You can take this. I don't need it right now because I've already sewn up the championship. Lewis could do it. You know what I mean? I have no doubt in that mind. So it, it begs the question, what does Toto do if Lewis gets fed up with George? Traditionally, and I think I've said this a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Lewis is getting old, but I'd actually like to kind of re-change that opinion a little bit because even though Lewis is getting a little bit old, we've seen how successful you can be in your mid-40s in this sport. Ah, not Lewis, fucking Fernando. Fernando, even Seb, right? Like, yes, Mm. he didn't do as well as he could, but, you know, he was still, and Kimi, they were still very successful as old fellas. They were just racing in cars that weren't any good, but they were still there. Mm. I think that, you know, if I'm owning the team and I have Lewis Hamilton on my team, everything I'm doing is about making sure that he's in the best possible position because he can win a world championship half asleep. Yeah. George has a lot of talent, but 
Lewis is more talented in every metric. He is. He's better. I, so I also don't think George has the killer instinct. He thinks he does. And that's a very good point too because he's got the attitude of the killer instinct, but, you know, it's not what he you say. It's it. how you drive as well. And as I said at the start of the fucking thing, he jihards it into the world trade barrier at every opportunity. Oh, I had so much fun with all the memes about going for the gap because he crashed into the GAP in Singapore. <laughs> and I thought that was just absolutely brilliant where it's like, well, yeah, there was a gap. He did. Slam straight into it. If I'm Toto, I don't think it's panic stations yet. I think that you can probably bring in a sports psychologist and have a couple of hard chats with him and go, you know what, man? We've still got your back, but there are certain parts of your driving that aren't acceptable. We saw Mattia do it with Charles. Yeah, the, the, the waving of the finger, which was like, you are a part of this team. Yes, we made mistakes, but you're a professional and we have fucking work to do here. So I think a combination of having a couple of hard chats with George and then also bringing in a professional like they did with Yuki. And, you know, after Yuki started working with a sports psychologist, he improved in consistency and in attitude in every way. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, that's what I'd be doing if I'm at Mercedes because, you know, George is still better than a good chunk of the field. Like, as much as we don't like him, he's still a pretty damn fucking good driver. There's a reason why Toto wants him. And Toto's really good about picking drivers. Like, really good. So, I think you do everything to keep Lewis on board, but then you also take... George's attitude as a pretty serious thing that can be handled positively. You do that, you've not only set yourselves up if you can get your development right for another world championship or two with Lewis, but then another couple with George eventually as well. If mm -hmm. he's receptible to that, though, we yeah. don't know. That's kind of my take on it at the moment. I'm still... I still think Lewis is better. Yeah. But with that, I got two more things and then we can wrap up. Okay, what do we got? First one, did you see what Seb did on the weekend? I saw I did. So did you see Buzzing Corner? Pardon? The Buzzing Corner. Buzzing Corner. Yeah, Buzzing yeah. Corner. Yeah, with all the bee houses. I fucking like that. My partner really liked that. She really likes bees, so when I showed her that, she's like, that's actually really sweet. She really liked that. I mean, like, Seb is just one of the best blokes in modern sport at the moment, right? Even though he's not in mm. sport, he's still in sport. Like, he shows up everywhere. He's doing fantastically. Well, that, that leads to my second thing. There have been rumours that he may be joining a WEC team like next year because he's got the itch to race again. I'm not shocked. Like, that's the thing with these elite sports people, right? It's literally in their blood. Mm -hmm. So... We've seen the same thing in the NFL with Tom Brady. He's retired eight times. Yeah, comes back and wins a championship. <laughs> As so it comes back, his last one stuck. His last well, retirement stuck. Well, that one did. But, you know, he what, he's only 47, so he'll probably roll out a 53 and throw a few balls. Mm. I definitely see Seb racing again. Not in F1. I don't think he has any interest back being in F1. It's a different style, but WEC would be super fun and... That will be good for WEC in general because it would bring viewers like us across to be like, yeah, I'd watch whatever Seb races in. We watched. It's interesting. 
It's interesting you say you don't think he has the desire to race again. Did you see Martin's interview with him? No, desire Martin. to come back into F1 in particular. No, that's what I mean. That's what I oh, mean. Oh, okay. That he asked him about it and Seb didn't rule it out but said never say never. I Look, yes, there's something in that. Audi 2026 I'm, confirmed. <laughs> I was just going to chalk it up to good marketing. But you know what? Bringing him back for your debut season is a way to get 90% of the viewers to buy a hat and a shirt. It's also a good way for uh, Audi to enter the German market being like, Look, we have one of the most successful German drivers driving us forward, you know what I mean, with Valtteri. Seven Valtteri would be such a good team. It would be a very nice team. I don't think there'd be many bad words said at all. They're very, very kind people. Yeah, look, I will watch whatever Seb ends up in, without a doubt. Like, we watched... You're a bit of a NASCAR fan. I'm not a massive NASCAR fan. But, you know, when Kimi's racing or when SVG's racing, I watch it. You know what I mean? We do follow our drivers. Driving it a lot more next year. Yes. He's over over there next year at Track Horse. Yep. That's going to be interesting. Oh, dude, it's going to be fantastic. Anything else from Japan? Because it was still a good weekend. A very good weekend if you're an Oscar fan. Well, if you've got a podium. Or if you're a Red Bull fan. Six-time world champion. Constructors champions now. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, they got the celebration right. That's nice to see. That's a first. And Max was can that? wrap up the po- Max can wrap up the world championship in the sprint race and be the first world dri- first driver to ever win the world championship, not in a Grand Prix. Look, that would be a cool stat to have, but I think we can all agree on one thing: someone needs to take him the fuck out. He needs to win it in the Grand Prix. Just don't start the sprint. Just be like, ah, I'm going to take a DNS. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. I, I don't think he was too competitive. Like, he's not going to not start. That's why I'm saying, George, you know what you have to do. Fucking even Checo. Checo hit like seven people. <laughs> oh, Someone. No, don't. If Valtteri. Checo took out Max, that would be Checo's contract torn up. Helmet wouldn't be fucking standing for it. Yeah, that's true. No, Logan. I don't want that. Someone. Stroll. <laughs> Somebody hit him. <laughs> Please. Don't hurt him. But just make sure he has to win it in the Grand Prix. Just punch his tire. Yeah. No, because he'll still he'll still he'll get a new one on and still come back in the sprint. Take off a side pod. <laughs> it has to be good. <laughs> it has to be a good one, man. You know what he's fucking like. I know. He's leaves it's us to our try. next race. Qatar. Kata. Um, well, Danny's you know, back. Danny's back, and my mum said if I didn't have anything good to say about a place, I shouldn't say anything. So next week's Qatar, and there's a sprint race. Yeah. There's not really much more to say about that. <laughs> it's going <gonna laughs> yeah, to be a night race. Love a night so race. That, there's that. I, what, what time do you reckon it's going to start in this country? Because let's be real, nothing's ever kind to us. I'm going to say lights out 12.15 p.m. or something crazy like that. No, it's always on the hour. It's always on the hour. Oh, 12. Okay, you're semi-close, but you're just not there. The story of my life. (laughs) You want to take another guess or you want me to tell you when it starts? It's either 11 or 1. 
4 a.m. Monday, the 9th of October. Oh, well, okay. First of all, Andy, that was not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be watching that There's one only on a few replay. hours off. Yeah, I don't, I'm not getting up for that. Funnily enough, no. do you want to say what the next... I've got I've got the times for the next few Grand Prix up. Do you want to have some fun? Yeah, Let's play not? a guessing game to wrap it up for the next one, two, three. The next four Grand Prix. So the, next, okay. the one after Qatar at 4 a.m. is the United States Grand Prix in Texas. What time do you reckon that starts in Australia? Mm. 2 a.m.? 6 a.m. Okay, that's that's are, actually that's okay. I can do the that. The next one is the Mexican Grand Prix. What time? 5 a.m. 7 a.m. Okay, that's that's even better. I'm not then good at time the, zones, apparently. No, you're not. The Brazilian Grand Prix is after that. Seven AM? Four AM. And the okay. final one for this little <laughs> this little guessing game is the Las Vegas Grand Prix. What time does that start, Jacko? Five AM. Wrong. It's Sunday, the nineteenth of November at five PM. We can watch this one. What? How does that work? <laughs> but yes, because that's exciting. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night in America when they're running oh, it. It's a night race, obviously. Duh. I thought it was a morning race. We can watch that one. We're gonna have to watch that one. We're gonna have to watch that. Danny's gonna get his wish and race in Vegas. We gotta watch it. And oh shit, nineteenth of November. Fuck. Now I need to check something. If you're at work or not. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I hope Vegas is good, man. It looks like it could be quick, but so did Miami. 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 Ah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I can take it off. <laughs> We've only got Yeah, I'm stoked. We can, I can watch that one. I can watch that one. <laughs> hey, nice. Yeah, cuz you had to you you had to message us in the lead up to this one. We're like, "Guys, I'm at work. Please don't don't say anything." I muted the chat immediately after that just to be <laughs> yeah, safe. That was a good idea. That was a good idea. Look, we should wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, no, nah, we've been going for nearly an hour and a half now. I need to go make dinner for myself. Me too. Me too. So thank you very much for listening. We know it's another smash the episodes together, but life's gotten really busy for all of us at the moment. Next week we'll be back and we'll be putting we'll be putting the grand final to the test in depth. For bums on the bench, Josh and I discussed it last week when Jack wasn't around, and then we'll be going into sort of a time off a bench for a few months. It's, yeah, it's going to be nice to have a little break, and then Formula One and Formula Bums will continue to the end of the year like normal. Yes. So, but maybe we'll come. Oh, I don't know. I'll, we'll discuss returning. At a later date for bench. Oh yeah, because that, oh, that will come back. That will come back during the summer. We're just not a hundred percent sure when. Because I really want to talk basketball. Jack really yeah, wants um, to talk hockey. Yeah, Josh loves yeah. his cricket, so we all know he has to talk during summer. No, we will definitely have content to do. But thank you very much for listening. If you haven't, you can find us on social media at Formula Bums or Bums Formula for X slash Twitter. And then at bums on the bench everywhere. Because they should have let me sign shit up for Formula Bums. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you very much. See ya.